Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. Uh, it forms part of MoneyWeb's weekly series of interviews with leading investment professionals. Our guest today is Peter Furi of Sunlum. He is the head of global equities at Sunlum Private Investments and he talks to us from London. Peter, thanks uh, for talking to us. This week has probably been the most volatile we will see this year. Well, hopefully we do. Unfortunately, the problems in Greece and China will be with us for a while. Yes. Uh, I mean, what is interesting about the market, if you take a step back and uh, and rewind a few weeks back to the end of May, you actually see that the, in dollar terms, uh, global equity markets are down 4 or 5%, um, with returns now just below 2% before today's move uh, in Europe, where there's uh, rumors again about a, a Greek deal being, being done. But I think for us, in, the, in terms of the bigger picture, uh, we are still quite cautious on Europe, not because of the Greek crisis, but just we think that valuations for sectors and for companies that we'd like to buy is is quite expensive. So whether or not there'll be a Greek solution, I think the uh, you know in the very short term for us it's 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 more valuation concern than a macro concern when when it comes down to finding uh, you know very very attractive investments. Mm. But Greece has really uh, caused some emotional, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, buying in in Europe. It has influenced the markets. Do you think it has been overdone? I think what was interesting is, uh, and we don't know if the what's happened in China was also influenced by wider risk aversion in Europe, but but certainly China uh, for us recently has thrown up. Uh, a few more opportunities um, that's the impact perhaps perhaps of investors who were forced into margin calls so if I give you an example uh, a company like we've been watching for a while Baidu which is a, a, the a Google equivalent in Asia uh, spiked down uh, on Tuesday and we used uh, that opportunity to buy some uh, some uh, some of that position into some of our funds. Uh, however, in Europe, um, because things were, in our view, sort of expensive to start off with uh, by the end of the first quarter, uh, it will take a while for us before we start moving back into things like Louise Vuitton, uh, Nestle, etc., which we which we did sell early in the year, has pulled back, but we need a little bit of a more uh, of a pullback within the wider European markets to make us. Uh, look at those ones in more detail again. Are you looking at any developed markets? Uh, well, you're saying you're not that bullish on on the European market. What is your perception of the U.S. market? Yes, the U.S. market. Um, in terms of the median valuation uh, across the board, that's that's quite high. But uh, we also think we're not in an environment in 2000 where your growth stocks, so-called growth stocks, uh, were ridiculously expensive. So uh, in terms of how we've uh, positioned the portfolio, we have started to add names like Angem, uh, which is a biotechnology company, but, but more a fully-fledged pharmaceutical at this stage with, with very mature products and an interesting pipeline. Um, so that kind of name, an Amgen uh, and a Johnson & Johnson at 16 to 17 times earnings uh, for next sort of 12 months out is not is not onerous in our view. Uh, you get paid a decent dividend as well. Uh, the growth is not going to be uh, as significant as, say, a MasterCard or a super growth stock like Tencent uh, in Asia, but, but certainly the valuations are attractive. Uh, and what we have done in the U.S. is that we've, where we have been 
seeing a bit of froth perhaps is in names like Accenture in the information technology side. That name's moved up to over 20 times earnings, so we sold that. Uh, and that's why we, we ended up with names like Amgen as new positions in the portfolio to take into account the significant discount uh, in pharmaceuticals versus the growth that you get and the valuation uh, for, for technology companies at this stage. In, uh, in South Africa, a lot of the fund managers are turning defensive. Um, they also regard the market as expensive. Um, are you net buyers or sellers in this market? We we have raised a little bit of cash uh, for the first time in three or four years within our equity models, not not crazy levels, uh, sort of seven to eight percent. Um, but a few days ago, we we were at the point where we was looking to 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 actually use some of that cash again. Now, unfortunately, post some of the measures in China, the, the market has taken some heart and bounced again. So, in terms of defensive, one one just has to be careful. There's no point buying a so-called defensive stock when that's indeed expensive so uh, to give you an example uh, i think if you if i have a choice today uh, given the fact that richmond's down sort of 15 odd percent for the year and a stock like nestle is still holding up um, i think the short-term challenges for richmond within the hong kong markets probably well flagged and understood by the market so over the next year, it, you might well see a, a stock like Richmond outperforming as the news is perhaps not as bad as expected. And on 18 times, looking certainly the most interesting it's been for the last two or three years, whereas Nestle is still favored by investors as a so-called defensive stock and actually at 22 times earnings is rather expensive. Let's talk about the, the Chinese market for a bit. Um, many people label what is currently happening there as a bubble and uh, that the inevitable has now happened. But uh, earlier you did allude that you are seeing value in some stocks and that you are actually active in that market. Yes, well, you must remember China has, has got a, a few very good secular growth uh, industries. Uh, I mentioned Baidu. Uh, for us, if we look at our, our models, there is still very, very good uh, uh, revenue growth for the next few years. They're moving into areas where Tencent is, is active, uh, mobile payments, etc. So Tencent um, has come back. When, when a stock corrects 15 or 20 percent, and you know the valuation compresses from sort of 35 times to 25 times, then it, it does become more interesting. What you're seeing though is there's a lot of pent-up demand to get into these names. Uh, what we're certainly not doing is we're not exposing ourselves. Uh, from an overseas point of view to, to commodity-related stocks, uh, to real estate-related stocks, and to financials. There's just too much uh, of an unknown quantity for us in that sector. So the Chinese bank look, uh, banks, they look quite attractive on a price to book, but I think uh, there's perhaps some bad debts that are lurking underneath, which, which um, the management teams of those companies don't either fully don't understand or they don't want to come clean on that. So, but it doesn't take away the fact that there's a, a very good secular uh, growth uh, in, in names like like food comfort for, for companies like food and luxury groups. That's where we want to be uh, exposed long term, but only at the right valuation levels. Just coming back to Tencent, are you buying Tencent uh, in the Chinese market, or are you doing it via Naspers here in South Africa? 
Southern Private Wealth in South Africa has a, a very good position for, for our clients in NUSPAT. It is, of course, based on the, on the premise that uh, Tencent will continue to grow and that you must be prepared to, to pay up for that valuation. We've looked at it from London. Um, you know, if we do invest from, for, for our London-based clients, who would, would typically be multinationals and all South African investors for that matter, then we would look to invest directly into Tencent. Uh, however, if you look at what Tencent is doing, we get exposure for our clients uh, in some of the uh, markets they're active in through names like Google, uh, through names like eBay, where you know they're slightly cheaper. Um, but we 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 wouldn't mind owning Tencent at the right valuation level as well. I think it's like I said a couple of days ago, um, it's recovered by about 10% now. But I think if it was another 10% lower from the levels of a few days ago, we might actually have ended up buying that directly for our client base here as well. You've said that you are not really interested in commodity uh, stocks, but if you look at the, especially the local market, that seems to be the, the sector that offers the most value. Um, what is your position uh, regarding commodities? Yeah, uh, from, a, from a quantitative point of view, um, there's no doubt, you know, there's no doubt that Anglo-American uh, at, say, 0.7 times book value is a very attractive deep value stock. Um, we... Uh, from a London perspective, we, we take our cue from from our team in, in South Africa to guide us in terms of where they think uh, there's a compelling buying opportunity uh, for commodities. Uh, it's just a, from an overseas point of view, uh, materials make up only 4% globally of the index, so it's, so it's not as important a call uh, for us whether we need to be positioned there. There's, there's obviously 96% other uh, industries that we have to cover and think about. So I think for the time being, I think a, a, a massive amount of short-term negative news has been priced in by these stocks. Um, but with my own hat on as the head of global equities, I don't have a particular good skill in, in forecasting the platinum price or where the cost curve might be uh, for those mines over the next three to four years. We we rather focus on companies where predictability is higher um, and currently on our list if you compare a typical mining stock to the likes of uh, an international flavor and fragrance which is a, a company which provides ingredients to uh, many consumer product companies like Nestle and Procter and Gamble that that to us is a story where we find it easier to model uh, and to come up with the intrinsic value than, than it is for us for more trying to establish what the intrinsic value ultimately is of Impala Platinum. The mindset of your investors, are you interacting with investors? I assume you know most informed investors would not expect or should not expect a return of more than 10% for this year. Are you managing that perception or expectation from investors actively? Well, we certainly made it clear in our, uh, you know, in our communication, formal communications and informal communications to clients that it is a low return environment. 2013 was a very, very good year for global equities, up 27 odd percent that year. And then last year you saw uh, the market up only five and a half. And as I said earlier, uh, markets only up 1.6 percent in dollar terms, total returns so far this year. Um, and that is, and with that mindset, uh, you know, that is why we, when we talk about the return expectations for a name like Diageo, which is in the, um, in the sort of liquor industry, if you're starting off with, with a 3% yield and you expect organic growth of 3 to 4%, 
and hopefully the, the stock don't get any more expensive uh, or cheaper for that reason. We typically tell our investors expect 7 to 8%, um, and I think that is in, in dollar terms per annum from where we are today. If the markets give us a setback and a buying opportunity, that expectation increases, but, but I, I do agree with you ultimately double-digit returns in the short term is, is something of the past. You've got to be nimble, uh, wait for setbacks, and then uh, buy companies where you can get that 7 to 9% return on a total return basis. And that is, of course, still attractive in, in a low inflation environment. You sit in London. What is the perception there of emerging markets? Uh, are they being you know, put in the same basket as China is uh, at the moment? Well, certainly it's very tough, uh, very tough for countries like Brazil, uh, and Turkey at the moment, uh, it, 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 it's also tough uh, for companies that operate in that, uh, in that environment. A lot of the companies we own have very big exposure to emerging markets, and that's why you're seeing the likes of, of Unilever here in the UK coming out with quite bad numbers, and it will be a challenging environment for them. Uh, do we see ourselves buying... Uh, directly into Brazil. Yes, there's certainly in very interesting opportunities. There's a company called Croton, uh, which is in private education like Curious uh, or Curio in South Africa. Um, but then you expose yourself to a very, very weak currency and a short-term uh, consumer sentiment, which is really uh, quite bad. The country suffering from recession as we speak. So I think that we will still prefer to get emerging market exposure uh, the indirect way through the multinationals that I think can, can weather the storm as it's part of an overall model for, for growth. You know, it's not dependent on the success of only one particular region. So, you know, our exposure to Yum Brands is definitely, we want to get exposure to Kentucky Fried Chicken franchises that will open over the next 10 years in Africa and China, but in the short term, China weakness won't won't destroy the model because they also have still very decent developed market exposure. I think many investors or all investors should expect a lot of volatility for the at least in the short term. What is your advice for investors? Sit uh, on your hands or sit on the sideline? I think as professional investors, we you know we definitely can't sit on the sideline. We've always got to look for for opportunities. I mean, I didn't think that. That China, for instance, this year would would give an opportunity, but but suddenly a name like Baidu, which is down 15% for for this year, uh, and a name like Richmond, which is down by similar levels, is on our radar screen from from an overseas point of view. So I think it's, um, of course, all professional investors and and uh, sort of uh, retail investors would love markets to always be cheap, but that's that's not the case today. So we have to live within that. Uh, environment. What what we won't do is we won't own good companies at any cost, um, and that's that's where we uh, that's where we as professionals have to uh, be careful not to overpay. However, it's I think it's it's also fair to say that uh, if you have a view, for instance, on the commodity uh, stocks, it's probably as good if if you're forced to invest in that sector. I think that is a sector where a lot of bad news has been priced in. And that is an opportunity. So there's, there's never you, you can never say you can just sit on your hands and expect to, by not doing your homework that you can just go in the market uh, when it's oversold and expect to, to get a home run. So I think what we want to do going forward is to, to make it clear to investors return expectations are not double digits, first off, um, but we will not compromise on our overall ability to invest in, in companies and in quality companies, which often 
the ones that will grow the best and will still give investors a fair return for the risk they take. Thank you, Peter. Peter Furry is the head of Global Equities at Sunlum Private Investments.